0: Greetings. This is ADHD Focus, a show designed to bring the real story of ADHD to you. You can never know enough about ADHD, yours or someone else's. Today, we'll explore how ADHD colors the world of people with it, what it's like to live with it. Do you walk into a room to get something and get there, forget what you were looking for? Why is your spouse always late for appointments, no matter how many reminders or alarms she has set? Why does your son tell his sister at the dinner table to chew quietly? You're chewing too loud. Do you suddenly realize that you have no idea what the person you're talking to is talking about? To help us explore the answers to these and other questions, I've asked Rick Green of TotallyADD.com to join me. Rick, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, sir. Pleasure to be here. Good to talk to you again. It's been a few years since we've seen each other in person, but we've, uh, thanks to the Internet, been able to do uh, some, have some great fun, actually, uh, at our annual Christmas party online. Uh, last year, you were one of the 12 people who came through in three hours, and it was, it was hysterical, fun, and fascinating, and really interesting. I, I don't know how many hundreds of years of combined experience there were with all those guests, but it was great. So, yeah, pleasure to be here.
0: Well, it's always great to uh, have a chance to learn more and more about ADD and all the way it affects people. So, mm. Rick, tell me a little bit about your diagnosis of ADHD and how that came about. Uh, Good question. So, um, I was
1: going along, it was around the year 2000, and uh, I had my own Y2K disaster, in a way. Um, My marriage had ended, my son was suddenly struggling in school, and in a special gifted program, but just not doing any of the homework. And when we finally recognized that he'd been telling fibs to the teacher, or, oh, I forgot it, or I left, or whatever, it was probably a month into the semester. And what we realized is that uh, he... And now the class load had gotten bigger, uh, heavier. There was actually homework and he had no place to do it, no experience, he'd forget, and so on. No structure in place. And structure is huge for people with ADHD. So helpful. Rather than rely on our memories. So anyway, um, they did some testing to make sure he was good, which he was, but they also discovered he at ADHD. I looked at the list being the now and then responsible father and I thought isn't this normal for everyone. My background is a comedy writer, an actor, a director, a producer. Uh, I looked at the list and then I looked at the traits and I thought some of these have really helped me uh, in my career and Uh other things have other aspects many of the aspects of ADHD in adults especially have hindered me, have cost me, have cost me relationships, have cost me financially, have cost me wear and tear and years of my life having to do things over or whatever. So that constant feeling of underachieving. Anyway, the more I got diag- the more I read and I was voracious about this, the more it resonated and the more I took on strategies and tools to deal with it, the faster it transformed. And the only fly in the ointment, I guess, was Well, there were two things. One was I wish I had known sooner because I watched Mm -hmm. the difference it made for my son to get the diagnosis and get the accommodations and the treatment that made this huge difference for him and then for me as well. So, like many people, I went through a, oh, my God, this explains everything relief and bounced around through the grieving process of anger, uh, regret, if only, and so Mm -hmm. on. So that that was one big thing. The other thing that really, I think, sort of fueled me forward to... Change my life focus, if you will, from doing comedy uh, and the red green show and all the other shows that i 'd done was um, was the reaction to people around me who were dismissive of ADHD who bought mm-hmm. into all of the myths that are out there, and you know you 've been dealing with it yourself, and i 'm sure anyone listening to this is probably still buying into some of the myths or has had to deal with them themselves,
0: and right, the anger that's a I felt
1: yeah, the anger I felt. It threw me off for a while, and I know so many people who got a diagnosis, and all it took was some person saying, you you shouldn't be taking those pills, or you don't need, there's nothing wrong with you, or "You know why are you seeing this doctor even, or or any of it, whatever they were doing, whether it's medication Mm -hmm. or anything, they stopped. And it cost them. And and, and as I started talking about ADHD, um, and eventually produced a program called ADD and Loving It, and then a sequel, ADD and Mastering It, and now I think we have... 17 or 18 videos on every aspect of ADHD yeah, on our website. Yeah, your
0: website is a, a wealth of information for anybody with ADHD.
1: And it's a video, a lot of it's video, and that's so great because so many people have um, a learning disorder, a problem reading. And the other thing with video I find is it's, it's one thing to wade through an article or a large book, but to sit and watch a video with a group, with your family, with your partner, mm-hmm. with or to be able to hand a DVD to the teacher and say, "Watch this," and have the yeah. teacher go, "Got it." Or, or to your boss or whatever. That mm-hmm. was so powerful. So yeah, it's it's been a really interesting experience. It was not one I expected. It was not where I expected to go, but I have absolutely no regrets because I know what we're doing is making a difference. And and that's the I guess the other thing about it is that what keeps us going forward, and you too, I'm sure, is the fact that there is so much that can be done. Yeah. you know, if this was just a case of, well, you know, there's nothing we can do. You just take these pills one a day and you won't have these seizures or whatever it would be, right? That's one thing, but this is, there are so many different aspects and it's so complicated. The causes are complex and on and on.
0: Right. So many people, um, certainly that I see, have, as adults, they've adapted coping strategies and things, some of which they didn't even know were a coping strategy. Many people yep. say yes. I always have to have things in certain places so I don't lose them. Yep. Well, since people with ADHD often lose things, you get doing something else, you put it down, then you can't find the car keys. Yep. Um, what kind of things are, I guess, surprises to you that have come up? Oh, that must be from my ADD. It's a great question. Uh, it's
1: on. You know what? It's ongoing. So at some point early in the early days. I realized that, that this is why I had never, in 30 years of writing comedy, or however many it had been at that point, 25 years, um, I would never finished a screenplay. I had tons of ideas and I had ambitions. Boy, it'd be great to write a movie. And instead, I was a skit comedy, a sketch comedy writer. It was you know, three minute, two minute, one minute skit, um, and hugely successful at it. So that was that was a clue I looked at all these great ideas and rather than beating myself up about you never get to these what's the matter with you It was like yeah I'm just not gonna sit here for six months working on a script on the off chance that it'll get made because movie scripts are notoriously hard to get made and -hmm. then what happens when you open up your movie gets made and opens next to Star Wars uh, episode 3006 Mm -hmm. you know there's so I could write a bunch of skits in one day or funny articles or whatever And that's what I do. I can direct uh, skit comedy. I can produce it and edit and all of those things. So I started to see where I was really successful and why. And I started to see where I really struggled finances, paperwork, um, Mm -hmm. and organizing and being able to allow other people to take part of a project and run with it um, because I didn't know how to manage other people, let alone myself. All of those things. And then simple things like more recently last few years it finally struck me as to why I didn't like going on caribbean vacations yeah and and it's because the sand on the beach gets in everywhere and we we have a whole video on emotional and physical sensitivity um being very and overly sensitive and you mentioned you know don't chew so loud the the sand everywhere drove me crazy it was like finger uh, you know fingernails on on the chalkboard um which, strangely enough, doesn't seem to bother me as much. Once I understood what it was, we can now go on a Caribbean vacation or anywhere where there's a beach, and I just make sure I take a, a cup of water or whatever or to rinse my feet off once I get to my beach chair. Uh-huh. But it was that it was that moment of, what is it specifically I don't like? And that was it. It was like yeah. oh, the sand, the sand, the sand. It's you know, tags on my shirts and certain fabrics and all of those things that we go into in the video. That's that's a big one. And getting that that and emotional sensitivity, overreacting, It's another mm-hmm. thing. Where I just suddenly decided I'm not watching anything that has guns in it, which has cut me off from 90% of what's produced these days. It yeah. seems, at least for yep. movies. But I I, I never was a big fan of horror, and I just I don't watch stuff with guns because I just I I just have this I go that guy just got killed and the audience is laughing or cheering and it's too much for me.
0: Yeah. I, I find I replay a lot of those violent scenes or things in my head and it just really disturbs me and distracts me. And now I realize that's because of some of the emotional sensitivity that yep. uh, it keeps on grabbing me. Yep. Another area I think may be unrecognized um, by parents is they'll say, well, he's such a picky eater. Mm. And it may not be that he doesn't like the taste of a given food, but the texture. Mm, yeah. Um, I, my father was insistent you're going to eat that soft boiled egg. And oh. I could see the wiggly stuff in there, and there was no way yep. I was going to have that soft boiled egg. Nope. And uh, I still have to have my scrambled eggs dry, no wiggly parts.
1: Yeah, it's a, those little cherry tomatoes. Every time I bite one, I I have this image of a an eyeball popping or something. I don't know why. I I can't eat them. Um, yep. And my wife still puts them on there. And I've learned okay, you just get through that initial pop and you'll be fine. And I've learned to eat them. But again, for the longest time, I would have, I'd have had. A, here's the thing about the diagnosis. Why you want to know? You have a better explanation. You have a better explanation Mm -hmm. for a whole bunch of stuff other than lazy, picky, fussy, um, weak-willed, you know, annoying, uh, impossible, stupid, uh, weird, bizarre, all of those things, flaky, all those things that we have been called or worse, have called ourselves, you get a better explanation. Okay, I'm low on some neurotransmitters, and when they're up, Here's what happens. I'm great, and when, mm-hmm. you know, and and so there were other things. Like I suddenly was clear why I couldn't really was it was painful to have to sit down and do tax paperwork. Yes, um, but I could get up on stage in front of 2,000 people's 2,000 people and be calm, clear, cool. Um, mm-hmm. That that to me is uh, the, those are the things where I go. Okay, this is why.
0: Yeah, that when it's new or the pressures on, you're in front of 2,000 people, that certainly boosts your adrenaline and gee that helps that neural connections work better, um, which are the ones that help with focus and attention so you can keep on going. But right. sitting it, down at tax forms does not do that.
1: No, and it's, and what I found was interesting with, with medication was that I could sit down and do that, but you know what? I also realized it's not what comes naturally, and it's not what I should be doing with my time. So that mm-hmm. was another thing. The diagnosis really gave me permission to hire a bookkeeper, and discovered, lo and behold, that it was way cheaper to hire a bookkeeper. Uh, I was paying less for the bookkeeper than I was in taxes for having my tax or fines for having my taxes late.
0: Mm-hmm. So. so, what are some of the things that still, I guess, you run into? that you wish medicine would take care of, and it doesn't, um, that that kind of get in your way.
1: It's interesting. Um, So the challenges I still have is I want to do everything. Um, I've actually just gotten off the phone uh, an hour ago with my coach and setting up goals for the year, and we're already over a month into the year and working on the goals. That's fine because um, my year doesn't necessarily end at the same time but it's like now we're setting goals for the new year and so um, what happens is I list a thousand things I want to do this year and what I'm learning mm-hmm. it, and what the coaching has helped with is those are things you want to do but what's the goal so the example that um, like every year I, you know I've, I'm going to do yoga I'm going to ride a bike I'm going to do 300 sit up whatever it is it's none of those are really necessarily enrolling and exciting and and attractive um, especially when you're starting out doing any of those things. On the right. other hand, being s- fit and strong and having tons of energy—that that's worth having. That's a goal that gets me interested. So, mm-hmm. what I'm one of the things that I really distinguished it with the coaching, and well, I think coaching is so good and so worthwhile for anybody, whether they have ADHD or not. But an ADHD coach, when you have ADHD, is even better because they get it. But having right. that the savings of time and now going okay this is the goal how do i get there could be yoga could be an exercise class could be joining uh, you know going to a gym mm-hmm. and
0: mm-hmm. then
1: and then being able to go no a gym will be overwhelming and i'll find the trip there and the waiting my turn a waste of time i'll get a video that i do in the living room whatever
0: right so, right and i think yeah. that the key on those things it's it's great to have this goal and then like you say it comes down to Well, how do I get there? And my mind certainly goes to oh, then I've got to get something for my bike and I need new shoes for my bike and it's raining, I don't want to go. Um, And so it's easy to make up all these excuses or someone who doesn't exercise much, oh, I'm supposed to go walk for 20 minutes. You know, just get your shoes out, put them by the door, and that's Mm -hmm. a good first step. And then go five minutes two and a half minutes out, two and a half minutes back every day add a minute. Gee, a month later, you're doing a 30 minute walk and it's not that burdensome. Whereas in the beginning you think I've got to go walk 30 minutes. Oh, I'll never be able to do that.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so true. And it's also uh, if you start walking and on day three instead and you're going seven minutes and you're out there and you're going, it's like, you know what? I'm doing 10. And yeah, if yeah. the next day you forget this, the other problem, because we can be all or nothing thinkers, um, black and white, the next day if you miss, it's so easy to go, oh, uh, I guess I, you know, and then another day goes by, I'll start tomorrow, I'll wait till the weekend, I'll restart next mm-hmm. Sunday, exactly. and another week, which is again why coaching and having structure around you uh, is so important. You know, and what you're talking about, putting the running shoes by the door, or putting your briefcase at the front door, so... And your purse, whatever it is, so that you can't forget certain things. Having, you know, uh, having spots for things. The joke I always say is that you can go into anyone's house and say, and you know, you don't say, "Do you have cutlery?" You assume they do, and you all you have to say is, "Where is your cutlery drawer?" Because everyone has a cutlery drawer. Mm-hmm. Not many people have a wallet drawer, a keys drawer, a wallet keys phone. Uh, epi pen whatever it is you need to take with you they don't have a place for that and so what other things I did is we had this funky ash crate, really cool on a stand like it would be from an old uh, you know Agatha Christie movie or something a uh-huh. classic thing out of the 30's big marble thing that became by the front door the place where I put my keys my wallet my phone um, loose change and anything else I needed, went a pen and a paper I usually carry with me to jot stuff down now I don't so the phone does all that but all that stuff went in that one container right by the front door.
0: Sure. That I certainly find that adage out of sight, out of mind. It applies if I think, okay, I've got to remember this and this and this, I have to put it in front of the door. I have to go over it or pick it up to go out the door. Then I'm going to remember it. If I think, oh yeah, I was going to bring this and it's not there by the time I'm into getting ready and I've got to make sure I'm leaving on time. I've completely forgotten that one other thing I wanted to bring. Yep. Um, I, the other, yeah, there's a lot of that certainly isn't in kind of the diagnostic scheme of things that many, many people with ADD tell me, um, there's just so much stuff in this room, the garage, whatever, but I might need it someday. Yeah. So it's so easy to accumulate these things and all it takes is one time that you found a need for one of them that you've been holding on to five years. See, I knew it. And you yep. hold on to all the rest. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And especially if you have kids, then you're holding on. Well, the kids are, somebody's going to need this office chair.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: And I, I counted at one point recently, I think we have... 33 chairs, places to sit in the house, and I counted the couches, uh, but and all the folding chairs, because over the years, when a television show was running um, in the same production company that I was working with, they had office equipment, and when the show ended, there'd be this whole big thing of office supplies. Well, they're just going to throw it in the dumpster. It was insane, uh-huh. so I'd take... So we also have, I think, again, I counted at one point, 11 or 12 staplers because the production office, every year they buy a new set of stuff or another show would buy mm-hmm. it, and they we're going to throw this stuff out. What I've learned to do is, is to start, um, is to repurpose or give it away. Like, you know, yeah. I, nothing gets thrown out. So I don't know uh, how many hundreds of books I've donated to libraries over the year, and we're now in the habit of, and we're working uh, on this this sort of a project for this year is is getting rid of everything that we're not using because we, it, it's a long story, but we've lived in, uh, we moved around a lot after we sold our house, long story, but we ended up having five Christmases in five different houses in a oh row. Oh, boy. Yeah, so uh, stuff was in storage, stuff was in pods, stuff was there, then it had to be stored again and so on, and it was madness because we spent thousands on storage for, Furniture that you know you could have replaced that at IKEA for uh, yes. 110 dollars or whatever it was. So um, that's you know what I ca- what I have to remind myself is that there are stores out there and they will have these things. But I'm really getting into simplifying. Um, start and where I started with was clothing. Maybe because I'm not that concerned about how I appear, I don't know. But I started going through all of these. The clothes that I got, many of them, really nice outfits from for hosting various TV shows um, that I was on. Uh, one I did called History Bites. Every year I got a, two new suits, but I didn't like some of them. Mm-hmm. But I hung on to them because they're 600 or 700 or $800 suits. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The show paid for them. I got it free. It would be, and now it's like, yeah, you haven't worn it in nine, ten years. It, somebody else could have been wearing it. And that's... That's really how I, I like my, clo- the amount of clothing on the hangers now is probably close to half of what it was three right. months ago.
0: My kids I got know.
1: some, and the rest is donated.
0: Mm-hmm. And very much like the, at a minute of walking every day, people might walk into the closet and say, ah, I can't sort through all this stuff, I don't have time. You know what? Give away one thing a day. Just yep. one. All you have to do is pick one thing, think, you know, I really haven't worn this jacket for years, so I'm going to give it away so someone else can use it. Um, I think that, that incremental approach, instead of looking at things in this huge, big picture, all I've got to do, because um, that becomes overwhelming, and overwhelm is certainly a, an issue uh, with ADHD. What do you find or how do you cope with things where you have a, a transition? You've you just come back from vacation. So for two weeks you've been out of your routine of things. How do you get back into that routine?
1: That's uh, really interesting. I there, So the tendency or the feeling is you want to immediately get started and get doing something so it does require some stopping pausing and thinking it requires probably less than I'm afraid it will um... but I have um... I use a lot of different tools to organize and when they stop working I stop using them I've also um... So so to get into the transition, I, I make notes before we go. I have a clear list of what we're supposed to do when we come back, and I work with the coach. That helps. The bigger transition, I think, for me, is the challenge in transition is switching from doing one thing to doing something else. So today, mm-hmm. for example, I was writing um, a bunch of scripts for videos on the website that we've got going, and I'm reworking some of the scripts, and... Knowing that I had a coaching call and knowing I was going to be doing a podcast with you, it was hard at some points to stick with it because I got, I got to remember these things. But I had a timer mm-hmm. to go to remind me. The other thing that would happen is a couple of people who are involved in the field of ADHD sent us... Um, emails arrived saying, we're doing this special workshop for parents, can you promote it through your newsletter? Um, And somebody sent us a bunch of pictures for our Friday funnies. If you go to our website, you can subscribe to our Friday funnies. Uh And every Friday, you get a whole bunch of hilarious memes about ADHD and so on. Anyway, so it's very hard. Like I had to stop and go, should I put this up now? Well, it's not till next week. I can wait. And Uh It went onto the whiteboard behind me. I don't have; it's not in my vision, and I scheduled it for a specific day tomorrow. In fact, for that, but it's that's the hardest thing is to know when to transition, when to check in with emails about because uh, I'm working with uh, people on the scripts themselves, so I have to right. check now and then to see the product. All of those things; it's the switching between. Now, working at home, which we do right now. Um, and, but I've worked in, you know, production companies and so on. But writing mostly is at home. That's the nice thing is there are very few distractions if I don't want them. I don't have people. It's not an open concept office, which is murder for people with ADHD for mm-hmm. some yes. anyway. Uh, an open concept classroom, murder for a lot of kids with ADHD. Right. That's why so many ADHD kids. I mean, one of the simplest accommodations we talk about in our uh, videos about going to school and about uh, going to college about you know, JK to thir- or 12 and, uh, and then on to college and university, those two videos. One of them is simply sitting near the front of the class. So you... Right. You are, and it's interesting. I look back and I go, the classes I was interested in, I deliberately sat at the front at university. When it wasn't interesting, I was at the back of the room and it had nothing to do with how hard it was. In fact, right. harder courses right. were often more interesting.
0: Well, Rick, it's about time to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, my guest has been Rick Green of the website TotallyADD.com and many other projects. I hope uh, we've explored some of the key issues around what it's like to live with ADD. Certainly totally, TotallyADD.com explores and answers many of these in great detail, and I would recommend it as a great resource for anyone with ADHD. Thanks. That's so,
1: true. You know, one of the... Doctors, top doctors at the University of Pennsylvania told me, said, We send our clients, our patients, or clients to two places that we recommend the National Institute of Mental Health and Totally ADD.
0: And Absolutely.
1: I, thought, wow. I thought, wow, that's kind of neat.
0: Well deserved kudos. So you thank sir. you, Rick, so much for joining me.
1: And thanks for doing this.
0: Okay. There you have it. Another part of the real story about ADHD. This is your host, Dr. David Pomeroy, and until next show, be well.